I had a little conflict whether or not, because of all what has been going on, whether to carry on with our mental health series and kind of finish it today. But then I, I really felt like we should actually, because our minds are really important in this season, don't you think? If you're a guest with us, we've been speaking into the mind and... Uh, Please don't read the title as something glib in our times. Uh, actually, the Rejoice Principle is something quite deep and meaningful. When I was in college doing my master's degree, me and my friends, embarrassingly so, much to the disgust of Kathy, got into this habit of scaring each other at inappropriate times. And uh, I once was in the library, which was a very serious place. I saw my friend coming, and I lay down on the floor, reached through the shelves as he was walking past the books, and I grabbed his leg and barked like a dog. I'm so sorry. I'm confessing now. And it scared him and made him jump, and he uh, dropped all of his books and made a big noise. And so much so that I flipped over on my back. I was laughing, and the librarian whose father had had a heart attack, the librarian came round and saw me with a red face lying on my back. She thought I was having a heart attack. And so she called 911, <laughs> which was not a good moment in my scholastic career. I'm really sorry about it. And I know we're on the internet, so if this goes to America, I am so sorry. <laughs> I wonder if there's something historical in your life that if you see something similar, that it shocks you, stops you, and knocks you off your guard. That you actually automatically go to a bad place. You might, not, you might think this is strange, <clears throat> but my mother had an unusual fear of, animal, of uh, elephants. Every time she saw one, she freaked out. She was superstitious of it. I wonder if you have an incident or something that triggers you. We all do this. Some of us don't like seeing a yellow car or what have you. That, that actually our perspective goes instantly to panic, whether you're a Christian or not. Some of us have these triggers. There's a part of your brain called the amygdala, and it alerts us to danger, but it's reactionary. It just floods you with adrenaline. It, it's not rational. It's reactionary. It panics. And don't you think it's really annoying when some people are trying to talk you out of your panic when you're not ready to receive the perspective that, that, you, that they want to cheer you up. And that's really annoying. They're trying to give you a perspective that you're not ready to receive. And I want to caution you as a Christian this week when you're at work that you actually talk about the world situation understanding that some people are really afraid and they're worried and if you come across, oh no, God's got it, and he's got it all under control, which is all true, but you have to say those things with wisdom and compassion, understanding that some people are not where you are. So you've got to be wise about how you speak out your faith. Do you agree, church? Not that we should join in with the worry or the desperation in that sense, but Sometimes when somebody's not ready to receive the perception that you have, you need a little bit more wisdom 
and share it with kindness. Today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe a journey or a process that will take you from panic to perspective. It's three simple steps, but it will take you from panic to perspective. Now, you know these steps, but I want to remind you of the things. It's a mindset of thoughts that will, will help us see what we need to see in God. Because that's what we need to do. Now, in theory, you'll all agree with what I'm saying today. But sometimes we just don't get there. So I'm going to walk you through just three simple things to to get you, that will always get you there to the place that you need to be when a situation gets out of hand. Step one, number one, presence. You know, Elijah, do you remember him that when he had had a tremendous victory with the prophets of Baal and then uh, Jezebel um, uh, threatened him and it immediately touched his spirit. And in 1 Kings 19.14, he ran away. It says this, while he himself went away for a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a a broom bush And he sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. This is what he said. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And we can feel a bit like that sometimes. We get into a panic mode. But to get to this first step of presence, uh, of having the right perspective, what he should have done is remember what his name means. Elijah means Yahweh is my God. The first step to get the right mindset is to understand this. Now, you know this, but let me almost speak it over you. You need to remember the Lord is near. He's present. He's with us. He's here right now. He's with you. He's in this situation in the world. That's why, you know, when Elijah eventually went to Mount Horeb, and it says there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. There's a fire. God's not in the fire. There's a great wind, but God's not in the, the great hurricane. And actually, it says that God was in a gentle whisper or a still, small voice. You know why that is? Because if I whispered to you right now, you'd have to lean forward. And what God was trying to teach him was is to lean in. You've got to lean in to God's presence. And rather than just assuming God's presence, I wonder if you can lean in right now. He wants you to lean in and know that he's here. Actively say, hang on, Lord. I know you're here. I know that you're near. Philippians 4, verse 7. Uh, verse 4 and f- four through 7. We, we say it like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I say it again. Rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now listen to this. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Lean in. The Lord is near, and the peace of God will come. The Lord is near. Your experience plus plus God's presence is enough. This situation isn't beyond us. This is the time when we have to stand strong in the world and begin to say, well, I know my God is present. Your first step in any situation is to understand that the Lord is near. Now, you know this. You assume this. 
But unless you actively lean in and confess it and begin to say, you know, this is actually true, something very important doesn't happen in your life, you forget to pray. Psalm 145 verse 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cry and he saves them. The Lord's near. He's here right now. If you don't recognize the presence of God, you won't talk to God. What you'll actually do is just worry. You'll kind of mumble some prayers now and again, but if you don't say, well, hang on a minute, Lord, are you here or not? Yeah, I recognize you're here. I know that you're here. And then the natural step is then to pray. So step one, presence. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If it's on your mind, it's on his heart. And so today, I want to say to you, unless you pray, your perspective will remain negative. And unless you recognize the presence of God, you won't pray. So today we want to confess that he's present with us and then we're going to pray to God. And you know, we need to keep our requests simple. It says in this scripture, present your request to God. Even in the most difficult situations, remember Jesus' example, he simply said, Abba, Father. He didn't go into a long diary of how he thought and what what he'd said. In the phrase where it says, present your request to God, it can be translated, let your requests be known to God. So here's step two. You ready for it? Give it to God. Now, it sounds really simple, but it's going to be really important that you don't do the prayer worry thing, that you actually do the prayer release to God. Consistently praying is going to change the way that you process things. Dr. Caroline Leaf has found that 12 minutes of praying for eight weeks will actually change the formation of your brain. You can actually change the shape and the plasticity of your brain by praying for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks long. You'll dig a new trench of truth in your mind. You would expect a pastor, wouldn't you, to say, pray consistently. But science backs it up that if you will pray, God begins to minister actually in the physical housing of your mind. You have to take your situation to God, but not with worry prayers, but with prayers of release and faith. Now, lots of people have said to me, Pastor Mark, you can't put God in a box, and that's not what this is. But I want to introduce you to the idea of a God box. In other words, what what the God box does, you can make one at home, and um, I just need a lot of God. That's why mine's so so big. Um, The God box is simply this. You might have a jar or something that you would write on 
your piece of paper that you would begin to say, okay, my situation at work. And then you would take that and you just write it down and you say, Lord, I'm just giving you this situation at work. And what you would do is you fold that up and you take out your God box and you put it in there. And you place it with him and you say, okay, God, that is with you now. I want all of you with all your Amazon deliveries to make a a God box. (laughs) Say, I've left that with you now, God. That I'm trusting you with this. You're in control of it. You're bigger than this. And this is how I see it now. I, I see it so that it's with you. I'm releasing it to you. I want to think, so now I'm giving it to you. For instance, what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the word Ukraine. I'm going to put it in God. I'm going to give it over to him. I'm going to say, it's yours now. It's yours, Lord. It's not that I'm abdicating my responsibility. I'm going to keep praying. We are going to keep interceding. But those are prayers of release and faith. But I'm giving it to you. I leave it with you. Now here's the real power of what I'm trying to teach you. If you're tempted to take something back, you pick up your God box, you find that request, and you say to God out loud, I don't trust you with this anymore, so I'm taking it back. Now, you may laugh, but that's what we do. And so what I'd like you to do is don't say, I don't trust you, that you pick it up and you say, you know what, I need to keep trusting it with you, and I'm leaving it with you. You see, the second step is give it to God. Recognize this presence, step one. Step two, give it to God. Release it to him. This process of giving it to God is to help the flow of your mind. It's not your responsibility. You'll pray about it. You'll talk about it. You'll you'll keep laying it to him, but don't take it back. You see, this is how we train our minds. This is how we walk in what Romans 8 says when it says those who live according to the flesh, the ones who take it back, have their minds controlled by the flesh, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds uh, controlled by what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Give it to God. He's got it. It's in there. It's in His care. Give it to Him. Oh, you're not hearing it. Give it to Him. Give it to him. He's got it. He's got it. You need to understand unless you give it to him, unless you let it release to him, then he can't mold it. You've got to give it to him. You see, step one is you recognize his presence. God is near. And therefore, it helps me to pray. And then prayer that gives it to God. Are you ready for step three? It's really simple. Praise him for who he is, not what he does. And praise before, 
not after. You see, we've got to praise God for who he is, not what he does. Praise before the provision, not after the provision. Praise after the provision, although we want to be thankful, sometimes it can seem a little bit like spiritual entitlement. Oh, I'm, I'm God's kid, I'm, God, I'm God's, king, uh, God's king's kid, and therefore that's why he just gives me things. It's a little bit like spiritual entitlement, although I know we don't mean it like that. But the process of praising God before something happens is a process that moves you, that changes you, that shifts you. The praise before is when he shows up. Let me, let me show it to you. In Acts chapter 16, it says this, in verse 23, it says, After he had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them. This is Paul and Silas. When he received these orders, he put them in their inner cell and fastened their feet and their stocks. They're in prison. They are bleeding from a good flogging, and now they're bound in the stocks in the inner cell. At midnight, the darkest hour, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And all the other prisoners were listening to them. You know the world is listening to you. It's listening to you very keenly right now what comes out of your mouth. And what your attitude is like. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the doors flew open and everyone's chains come loose. Let me tell you something about praise. When you praise, everybody gets free, whether they believe or not. If we pray and praise, the atmosphere changes and our nation is saved. That's how it works. Paul and Silas did not praise God because God had already shown up. They praise God, and that's why he showed up. Let me teach you something. Step one is recognize his presence. Step two is simply give it to God. Prayers that actually leave it with him. But step three is very important. You praise God, and he shows up. It's really important. Hey, let me show you something from Ukraine that happened this weekend by the church in Ukraine standing in a bomb shelter, standing in a, in a place of already in great danger, and yet they decided to praise the Lord together, even before the answer came. Just watch the screen if you don't mind. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands and praise with them. You see, that war isn't over. But there's a faithful bride and faithful people in Ukraine already saying, God, you haven't answered us yet, but we're going to praise you. We're still going to praise you. Do you think that God thinks that your situation is harder than theirs? Could you not praise God for what you're going through, despite of what you're going through, in spite of what you're going through? And yet, when you praise God, he will show up. And I tell you what, I prophesy now, he's going to show up for them. He's going to show up for them. 
I know some of you don't listen to any pop music because you're really Christian, but you remember that uh, Fat Boy Slim song, I'm going to praise you like I should? I'm going to celebrate you. Well, he says, baby, I say Jesus. I'm going to celebrate you, Jesus. I'm going to praise you like I should. Hey, I'm trendy. You know what? I want to praise him like I should. I'm going to praise him before he does things because when I praise him, he shows up. I'm not going to praise him to blackmail him to show up. God, you can do whatever you like in my life. I'm going to praise you anyway. Amen? You see, the psalmist, he he was often in a vulnerable place and the writer was always in the vulnerable place and he moves to the place of praise. In this place of praise, from the vulnerable place, He opens up the presence of God even more to him. Psalm 42, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? Because you've been watching 24 hour news, I get it. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my God and my saviour. We've all got used to drone technology where we can see above every Uh, building, you're looking down on it straight uh, from the drone above. If you acknowledge God's presence, if you pray like you give it to him and release it to him and say, well, God, you've got it. And if you put your hand in that box, you're saying, well, I'm taking it from you. You say, no, I've got it. And then if you praise, even before the answer comes, your spiritual life will become like a spiritual drone where you'll be able to see over the situation and not just in the situation. You have to be able to see all the situation, not just what is bad, but what is also good about your life. Psalm 103 says it this way, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Say it with me. And forget not his benefits. Hey, mind you, I think you should say that with me one more time. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All in my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not his benefits. I'm not as wise as the Bible, but I do know this. One cow pat doesn't make the field bad. There may be some things in your life that are difficult. There are some things in my life that are difficult. But praise the Lord. Praise Him. Because of my eyesight, I can't do those magic pictures. Have you seen them where you stare at them and then something comes out? But I know if you relax and look, you'll see God's answer. 